Howdy. This is Too Busy for Crypto. This podcast is for fans of cryptocurrency who want to learn and articulate ideas, but who don't have time to be watching hours of YouTube videos where most of the best crypto education currently exists. People also don't have time to sort through a mountain of trash in order to find useful content. Please listen to my first four episodes on risk, downsides, and disclaimers if you have not already. Those first episodes on crypto negatives are meant to anchor my more crypto-positive content. This episode, I will discuss what is crypto, the basics, the thesis, the ethos. Let's begin. Cryptocurrency was born as Bitcoin. The first paragraph of the abstract of the Bitcoin white paper describes the purpose of cryptocurrency. It says, quote, A purely peer-to-peer version of electronic cash would allow online payments to be sent directly from one party to another without going through a financial institution. End quote. This means any person should have a means to transact directly with any other person, without any middleman, such as a financial institution. Banks, brokers, market makers, custodians, are all third-party middlemen who create financial gates and bottlenecks. Our modern society is structured to put trust in middlemen rather than in ourselves. Who cares about middlemen? Why is this such a big deal in crypto? The establishment tells us that we require middlemen. That we should and must trust middlemen. When financial crises hit us like clockwork, we are told that only a few bad apples exist rather than a system of hazardous incentives. We are told that empowering any person bank, or state to act outside that system is a recipe for greater financial disasters. The establishment relies on government bailouts and money printing to cover for its flaws, which are actually intentional features. The establishment portrays any attempt to conduct business without them as both morally and technically repulsive. Decentralization is a response to both the problem and the cure, which are one and the same. Bitcoin was created in 2009 after the 2008 financial crisis. Bitcoin was a response to the moral and technical flaws in our financial system. Unelected officials and middlemen weave a web of silly string that collapses under its own weight. The silly strings are things like Interest rates that start low but adjust to a high rate. No down payments, mortgage-backed securities, collateralized debt obligations, tranches, credit ratings, credit default swaps, hypothecation, rehypothecation, leverage, margin calls, halting withdrawals, low liquidity, limit downs, and a market freeze. The cure that is applied by the establishment, is the last phase of the unbroken problem cycle. Unlimited money printing, like it's a joke, bails out failed businesses and lets leaders off the hook with big payouts. 
failures are intentional because bailouts are built into the system for them. New money supply devalues the existing money supply, and then prices go up everywhere. People think it's greedy seller price inflation. People think their assets have appreciated when it is the unit of account that has depreciated. This fail-and-bail system creates the boom-and-bust cycle. It is not a flaw. It is both a feature and an objective. These processes enable an unwitting but voluntary wealth transfer from all common populations to their ruling establishments. We the people are becoming more aware, yet it is no small matter to map out this system and devise mitigation strategies. Assets, especially productive assets, are the classic mitigation strategy to protect wealth. Land is a well-known asset. Land with a business on it might even pay for itself. Useful assets and productive assets are a shield against currency debasement and custody of assets by a reckless third party. Participants of cryptocurrency see real cryptocurrency as assets, sometimes as productive assets. Such a thing may be called a crypto asset. Seeing something as valuable or an asset can be a matter of perspective. Collectibles are valued assets to their collectors. They may be nothing to non-collectors, and traders may be indifferent. Bitcoin did not start as anything but a set of protocols written in code. Cryptocurrency only has a market value if a buyer and a seller agree on a transaction price. Acting on an agreement by making a transaction is participation. Common participation in cryptocurrency has demonstrated an undeniable market interest in decentralized finance. The network effect of adoption and participation in DeFi thereby perpetuates, expands, and evolves the DeFi ecosystem. The evolution of DeFi over time is a trial-by-fire process. 14 years of crypto provides a complex history of a few successes and many failures that we can study. Risk and Loss A risk-averse user must research many topics and differentiate between helpful and predatory information to have any chance to avoid pitfalls. Crypto is not a healthy world for either risk-averse or risk-seeking people. In crypto, extreme risk tolerance is required, and part of tolerance means a user can tolerate losing most or all of their investment. Crypto experts can lose everything. Many participants have lost everything. Why do so many people lose so massively? There are a few basic but profound reasons. We must use a new slang term. Plebs. Pleb is slang for plebeian, the commoner class of ancient Rome. Plebs don't always lose, and not all losers are plebs. In crypto, the term pleb refers to an ignorant user. This ignorance is a spectrum from innocence to aggressive truth avoidance. Plebs are defined by various attitudes and actions. Plebs make impulsive decisions. 
plebs try to short-term trade assets with extreme volatility and don't imagine the downside. Plebs do not understand that leverage or debt on a volatile asset will wipe them out. Plebs don't study the assets they buy. They think all crypto is equal. Plebs do not understand that cryptocurrency is software and that the quality and content of code matters. Plebs cannot differentiate between centralized and decentralized things. Plebs cannot differentiate between fake crypto and real crypto. Fake crypto is when centralized things are portrayed as decentralized things. Plebs are not concerned with information security. Plebs do not claim personal responsibility for their own actions. What is different about participants who seek and learn and improve? These participants often echo the phrase, be your own bank, as a call to action to increase the entwined ideals of personal independence and responsibility. A more specific and helpful catchphrase is, not your keys, not your coins. This phrase is both an objective and a warning to identify and avoid middlemen who want to gain possession of other people's crypto assets. Why do people repeat these mantras? For a while, Bitcoin was the only cryptocurrency. It is still dominant in the market. Early Bitcoin participants centralized 70% of trading in 2013 on a card game site called Mt. Gox, short for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. Look up the 2014 Mt. Gox hack. Ethereum came out in 2016, and that led to a sort of dot-com bubble in 2017 with things built on Ethereum. There was a craze of ICOs, initial coin offerings, as well as intermediaries and scams. The bubble popped in 2018. Look up BitConnect. Lots of people lost a lot of money. Many users became disillusioned with the greater crypto world. These same dangers re-emerge constantly in new disguises, and our only defense is education. I have discussed some history and perspective that plays into the crypto thesis. Now, what is crypto? The word crypto can mean a number of things. It usually means cryptocurrency specifically, or decentralized finance more generally. I will begin with cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is software. The software is like a spreadsheet or database that records transactions across a network of nodes. Nodes are computers running software. The database is called a blockchain. The blockchain is a chain of blocks. A block is a group of transactions that verify a transfer of custody of tokens. Tokens are a unit of account and do not have any inherent value. The existing blockchain is a history of the chain of custody of all tokens ever transacted. One new block is added to the chain at a time using a network consensus software that relies on complex mathematical verification known as cryptography. Nodes verify that the tokens are real 
and that the transactions are unique. Blockchains must be transparent. The chain of custody must be transparent. The majority of nodes must agree. This is consensus. Consensus across a large enough and decentralized enough network is how to avoid middlemen. Proper cryptography and proper consensus are part of network and software security. Elemental Terms The term Bitcoin applies to both the name of the blockchain and the native token on that blockchain. Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency. It only has simple send and receive functions. So on the Bitcoin blockchain, there is only Bitcoin tokens. Token and coin are generally synonyms. One may say native coin or native token to refer to the foundational unit of account on one chain. This matters for Ethereum. Ethereum innovated a blockchain that allows for other tokens besides the native token, ETH. On Ethereum, ETH is required to pay transaction fees, whether a user transacts in ETH or in another token. Fees are a way to allocate scarce computing resources to verify transactions and keep the network secure. Tokens that are ERC-20 smart contracts may be called programmable money. Smart contracts can integrate to perform automated functions like decentralized trading. A decentralized exchange, or DEX, provides a way to trade different tokens without a centralized middleman acting as a market maker. Uniswap.org and Matcha.xyz and OneInch.io are examples of DEXs. A central entity can create a smart contract, but as long as that code is immutable and has no admin keys, then the code exists across the blockchain network without centralized control and is therefore decentralized. What else is crypto besides cryptocurrency? Crypto is also a general term for decentralized finance, or DeFi. Better to start with what DeFi is not. DeFi is not CeFi. CeFi is centralized finance. Centralized finance is the legacy system of banks and companies and governments. That is, anything with centralized control rather than market control. How do CeFi and DeFi interact? Right now, crypto participants still interact with centralized middlemen at the on and off ramps to dollars because of banking rules like anti-money laundering, AML, Know Your Customer, KYC, and the Bank Secrecy Act, BSA. Common people must use a centralized exchange company like Coinbase or Kraken to convert dollars into cryptocurrency. Licensed money transmission falls under bank regulation. Transmitters may portray themselves as just an online app. Transmission and exchange is what we call a fiat-to-crypto on-ramp or a crypto-to-fiat off-ramp. Anything that falls under banking regulations is commonly called a bank by crypto users. 
centralized exchanges hold customer dollars and crypto like a bank. And they loan out customer funds like a bank. But they probably do not have the same rules for customer protection like a typical bank, especially for the crypto assets. Where is crypto? Cryptocurrency that a user purchases on a centralized exchange is associated with that user's account number, but it does not belong to that user until the user withdraws it from the exchange wallet and puts it into the user's personal wallet. At that point, one may say the user has control or possession or custody. Custody and possession really just mean control. Even if a hardware wallet loaded with a private key is a physical device in the user's hand, the cryptocurrency is information on the blockchain and is not in the user's hand. It is digits in a database assigned to the user's public address key. A copy of that database is on every running computer node on the network. If a user's crypto is on the exchange, the user has a claim to that crypto, but the user does not have control. Not your keys, not your coins. How do keys work? Cryptocurrency lives on the blockchain, not in a wallet. A wallet is a pair of keys. A public key, also called an address, and a private key, which generates approval codes for transactions. Addresses, approvals, and transactions are public and transparent on the blockchain. The public and private key system is the basis of the cryptographic security. Those keys are required to solve the cryptographic math problem that verifies the token is real and that the owner authorized the transaction. Does the key system sound like gibberish? A spectator of cryptocurrency might look at all the novelty and complexity and think that it seems unreasonable or imprudent to spend time and money trying to assemble the necessary hardware, software, knowledge, skills, and understanding, only to risk losing all the time and money put into it if something doesn't go right. This skepticism is entirely reasonable, especially considering that most tokens and blockchains and companies that are involved in crypto are trash that steal or fail and go to zero. Discerning participants accept extreme risks in a defined scope. They know that most of the landscape is covered in mines. Those participants can see the mines if they understand the crypto ethos. Those participants may be motivated to traverse the minefield if they believe in the crypto thesis. What is the crypto ethos? If I say crypto, I might mean a specific coin, a protocol, or an ethos. I speak about real crypto versus fake crypto. This is an issue of ethos. Real crypto is where the user holds the user's private keys, where the user avoids middlemen, and where the user chooses crypto assets that are purposeful, secure, transparent, and immutable with no admin keys. What is the crypto thesis? The thesis for participation in crypto can vary in its parts. Most participants look at the history of Bitcoin and Ethereum 
and they imagine massive gains on small investments that will overshadow their traditional investments. Those that think simply number go up is the only reason to participate are missing the bigger picture. However, in practice, number go up is part number one. Cryptocurrency was invented to remove middlemen, which means removing counterparty risk and adding censorship resistance. That is part number two. Part number three is mitigating debasement of fiat currencies. The current U.S. dollar has lost 97-99% to of its value since it was created in 1913. All fiat currencies debase constantly and are destined to go to zero eventually. It has happened many times in history. Assets besides fiat currency may be resistant to debasement. That is how I describe the crypto thesis. How do crypto participants differentiate what assets fit the crypto thesis and ethos? This is where things get tricky. People are emotional and tribal about what they believe is the best thing. In crypto, there are two common reasons for defensiveness about the best thing. One common reason is if someone makes money doing something, whether gains are realized or unrealized, they tend to like it. Another common reason is if a user sees everything fail besides the thing the user likes, then the user is likely to dismiss most things. This is where my bias must become apparent. I have mentioned Bitcoin and Ethereum. I respect Bitcoin for its historical significance and lasting power, but I don't think it can overcome its obstacles to anything near ideal operation as of 2022. I respect Ethereum because it seems to me like the only chain in 2022 worth conducting any real crypto activities on, but I fear that those activities will see more and more roadblocks in the future. I like Hex the most. I feel that Hex exhibits the most refinement of qualities that satisfy both the crypto thesis and the crypto ethos. I feel that crypto has evolved from Bitcoin to Ethereum to Hex and that the evolution will continue in the future. How does one describe Hex? It's a secure, immutable smart contract on the Ethereum chain. It is like Bitcoin with a proof-of-work change to the inflation mining. A user can commit to stake Hex for a user-selected time period. The user commits directly with the smart contract. There is no counterparty, entity, person, or company in the contract besides the user and the contract. In exchange for the commitment, the stake claims variable yield on a daily basis. The user burns his hex principle when he stakes and mints his principle plus like-kind hex yield when he ends the stake. There is no custody of assets. Yield comes from an automatic, systemic, maximum, annualized hex token supply inflation of 3.69%, which goes to stakers, just like Bitcoin inflation goes to miners. Non-stakers may sell hex at any time because they implicitly accept to be passively diluted over time by stakers who receive the supply inflation. No one takes anything from anyone. There is no borrowing and no debt. Stakers penalize themselves if they break their commitment. 
but if they fulfill their commitment, then they may claim yield at the end of their stakes. Hex monetary inflation is transparent and immutable. Staking is a truth engine. Hex may earn hex yield in like kind. Like all assets, hex only has value if two users exchange hex for another asset at some ratio in a market transaction. Now to conclude. I have provided an introduction into what is crypto? How did it start? Why do people do it? How does it work? What is some of the jargon? I do not want to convince you to buy anything. This podcast is for education and entertainment. I have tried to speak about these topics in a way that helps existing crypto participants articulate both to themselves and to others as to what is involved with participation. I have also tried to speak about these topics in a way that helps spectators better understand what participants are doing because those spectators may know participants who are not skilled at articulating what I have described. If you are already participating in crypto, never share or expose your private keys or seed phrase to anyone or you will lose everything. Real crypto has no technical support number to call. Only bad people want your seed phrase. There are lots of possible mistakes and accidents that you or others can make that result in you losing money. It's a miracle any of this works at all. If you lose money, you cannot get it back. Finality is a feature, not a bug. Responsibility for yourself is part of freedom. It is a feature, not a bug. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day.